If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. It's a sword and a hammer, a lamp and a mirror, water and fire. It reveals the very heart of God, and hopefully it's in your heart as well. It's the Bible, and today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers why it's so vital and valuable in the life of a believer. Continuing his powerful series on spiritual growth, The Life God Blesses, here's David to introduce today's message, Studying the Manual. Well, friends, I thank you for joining me today. I I really am excited about teaching this lesson because it's right in the sweet spot of who we are and what we do here at Turning Point. And I hope you have something to write with and a place to make some notes because I'm going to tell you several things about the value of the Word of God, the influence of the Word of God, and the power of the Word of God in these next two lessons. You know, strategies for Christian maturity appear like diet plans. Uh, There's a new one every year. But the plan God established several thousand years ago, which is meditating on and applying His Word, has never been equaled. So there's no really any need to change it. The Bible's value and power put in a class by itself, it's supernatural, it's God's plan for your growth and your development, and it will produce the life God blesses. So in just a moment, we're going to get started in our study of the manual. It's called Studying the Manual. Before we do that, let me just remind you that our resource for the month of January is a 200-page gift book called God's Blessings Just for You. The title itself is intriguing, and uh, this book is filled with readings that will help you to examine what God is already doing and use that as a platform for what you're trusting Him to do in the future. I hope you will get this beautiful book and add it to your library. Most of all, read it, share it with others, and become somebody who understands that God only blesses us so that we can bless others. And when you find out how much He's blessed you, it will set you free to want to help other people as well. This book, God's Blessings Just for You, is available for a gift of any size during the month of January to the Ministry of Turning Point. Send your gift and ask for the book, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. Well, let's begin our study of the manual. I'm not going to embarrass us by asking how many there are here who have never read through the Bible from cover to cover. I'm sure that it would be more than just a few of us. Some of you say, well, I tried that before, and when I got to Leviticus, I got stuck. Well, you can get through Leviticus, I promise you, and you can get through all of the books of the Bible, and they will be a great encouragement to your heart. One of the things we tried to do to encourage people to take the Bible more seriously is we went back through the Word of God and we reminded ourselves in a fresh new way of the metaphors in the Bible that God has given us to tell us the power and the impact of this book in our lives. For instance, did you know that the Bible is called a sword? Hebrews 4.12 says, 
For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is called a sword because it has piercing ability. It operates with effectiveness upon sinners and saints, and it even works on Satan, as we shall learn a little bit later on. The Word of God is not only a sword, it is a mirror. How many times have we opened the pages of this book to see ourselves there? We're reminded in James chapter 1 of the person who looks into the mirror of the Word of God, and he's called upon not to be just a hearer of the Word, but a doer also. The Bible tells us that this book is like looking into a mirror, and when we look into it, we see ourselves. And when we see ourselves, we're supposed to make the necessary changes in the power of the Holy Spirit so we become what God wants us to be instead of what we have decided to be. The Bible is a mirror because it reflects God's image to us and our image back to us from his word. And the Bible is a hammer. I always like to ask this question. How many of you have ever been hammered by the word of God? You're reading it, you're comfortable in your complacency, and all of a sudden you read something that jumps off the page and hits you straight between the eyes, and you get hammered by a truth from God's word. Sometimes it even happens in church. The word of God is a hammer. Jeremiah says it this way. The word of God is a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And then the word of God is like water. The Bible says that God's word is a cleansing agent. It's like water that cleanses us, that renews us. Ephesians 5 says that he might sanctify or make holy and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the word. When you read God's word, and we're going to look at this in a few moments, it has this refreshing, cleansing aspect to your life. And it's like spiritual dialysis. It washes out the bad things and replaces it with the good things of God's truth. And the word of God is like seed. The Bible says that God's word is like incorruptible seed, which is planted within our lives. And because it is like seed, it brings forth whatever is planted. It brings forth life and growth and fruit. When you put God's word in your heart, it doesn't stay dormant. It spreads out and grows and embellishes the truth of God in your life. And God's word is like silver. In the Bible, we're told in Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. It is called silver because it is precious, it is desirable, it is beautiful, and it has value. And the word of God is like fire. The Bible is like a burning fire that burns the dross out of our lives. Jeremiah 29 says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. God's word is called fire because it purifies and it has a consuming capacity. Sometimes when you go through the fire of God's word, it burns off the dross of your life and leaves only what is good. And then one final one that I could give you, and there are many more. This is one of my favorites. The word of God is the lamp of your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is called a lamp because it shines its light upon where you are now, where you need to be next, and it keeps you from stumbling on a dark road. It shows you the way to go. 
And these are truths that are just right here in the Bible to help us understand how important God's Word really is. I don't know if you've ever taken time to investigate the influence of this book we call the Bible, but it affects every facet of human life. It has made a profound impact upon our world and our culture. For instance, the content of the Word of God have supplied themes for the greatest poets and artists and musicians. Destroy oratorios like Elijah and the Messiah, and you have taken out of the realm of music something which could never be replaced. Delete from the literature created by Dante, Milton, Tennyson, Wordsworth and Carlyle, every reference to moral and spiritual truths that come out of the Bible, and you have stripped their writings of all of their glory and robbed them of their beauty. Go into the galleries and museums of this world and take down from the walls of those galleries the incomparable paintings that portray scenes of the life of Israel and the life of our Lord and of his disciples, and you have removed the richest gems from these places of beauty. The Bible has been the mightiest factor in shaping the moral progress of our entire race. If you take out of the statute books every law which is founded upon the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount, you have removed the very cornerstone of modern civilization. If you rob our libraries of every book which was written against the background and precepts of the Holy Scripture, you've taken out of our libraries most of the important books that have ever been penned. And you have done this without ever thinking what you're doing. The bottom line is that we have done this, have we not? We have removed the Bible, in effect, from every public place where it could have any possible impact upon our culture. It's no longer read in the schools. I remember when I was a young boy going to school that when I was in the fifth grade, the Gideons came to our school and presented every one of us with a little green New Testament. I was at the National Convention of the Gideons to speak to over 4,000 Gideons. And they told me that in most places where they go now, they're not allowed to do that anymore. They cannot take scripture and take it on the school grounds for fear of the separation of church and state. What in the world has come to us in our culture by the taking of the word of God away from the people? But there's something far more serious than that. We can sit here in our churches and feel quite smug and complacent as we rail against what has happened in modern culture. But the real problem, and we know it to be true, is not out there. For if we would be honest, most of us would have to admit that the Word of God could have occupied a more prominent place in our lives. Now please let me set you at ease. I am not in the least interested in making everyone guilty, but motivated to do what you know God wants you to do. That should be the focus of our heart. Not to look back and say, you know, I could have done better. You can't do anything about it. Just put it behind you. Paul said, leaving those things which are behind, behind, I press forward. So let's don't look back on what we didn't do. Let's look forward on what we can do. And let me be a little bit of a motivational speaker and a coach in the locker room, just kind of getting his troops ready to go out and fight the new fight and tell you that one of the things you need to be aware of is what God's word will do for you. I'm not going to ask you to read the word of God as a religious ritual just because we're telling you to do it. I want to tell you why you should read the word of God and what it will do in your life. Let me give you my most favorite reasons for reading the word of God. First of all, 
If you read the Word of God, it will produce spiritual growth in your life. We're a nation that's committed to growth. Economic growth is important to us, and we're interested in growing intellectually, and we have all these opportunities to grow with all of these learning centers everywhere. I don't know a Christian who's worth anything in terms of his own commitment to God who doesn't want to grow. We want to move forward. I have been committed to keeping a journal. And one of the things I like to do is when I read this year's page, go back and read last year's page. You know, if you can't discern along the way that you're making some progress, it can be pretty discouraging. How can you really grow in your spiritual life? Let me tell you, there's only one agent of growth that's guaranteed to make it happen. First Peter says it this way, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. How are you going to grow in your spiritual life? You can't do it without this book. You say, well, pastor, I take good notes every Sunday. That isn't good enough. If all your growth is based upon the notes that you get from listening to someone else teach the Word of God, that would be like eating one meal on Sunday and not having any more food until the next week. Unless you're into starvation, that's not a good thing to do. You need to be in the Word of God for yourself so you can grow. You need to be reading this book so that it comes straight from the book, not through somebody else, straight from the book into your system so that you can use that to grow thereby. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice that Scripture is profitable for doctrine so that you know what to do. And it's profitable for reproof so that you know what not to do. And it's profitable for correction so that if you do what you're not supposed to do, you know how to fix it. And it's profitable for instruction in righteousness so that when you get back on the path, it has a positive plan to keep you on the path and not get off the path again. That's how you grow. How many of you know that it's learning how to deal with the issues of life and when you make a mistake, you come back to the Word of God and it shows you how to get back on the path? And let me just tell you something. Don't stay gone very long. Because what happens is if you take a little detour and you don't get back to the Word of God, pretty soon the detour becomes two years. Sin will keep you from the Word of God or the Word of God will keep you from sin. Even when you're not doing everything you know is right, stay in this book because that's the best chance you have to keep growing and moving forward. The Word of God will produce spiritual growth in your life. That's why you ought to read it. When you don't read it, you can't grow. You become stagnant in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Secondly, the Word of God will provide cleansing for your life. How many of you know that we all live in a toxic world? You know, when I got sick, I got all kinds of stuff from people all over the country telling me how to get well. And all of it's good. I just wish I had time to read it all. I mean, I could be the most healthy person in the world if I could read all this literature everybody sends me. But one of the things I got were two books, and they were that thick. And one of them had in it all of the toxic things that are in our culture that can affect you. And the other had all of the things that you do to take care of all those toxic things. Well, I looked at those two books, and they were thick. I didn't have time to find out everything that was toxic, because I looked in it, and everything's toxic. <laughs> How many of you know that toxicity isn't limited to the physical realm. 
How many of you know that we live in a spiritually toxic world? Where everywhere you look, there's some kind of toxicity that's chipping away at the things that you believe and the things that you hold dear. Hmm. But that's what our culture is all about. Our culture, little by little, wears away at the things we hold dear. One man, one woman, married, living together without any outside relationships. That's what God's word says. But the culture is toxic against that. You say, how do I deal with that, pastor? You got to take the word of God into your heart and let it cleanse your life. Because the word of God is like spiritual dialysis. You know, I don't need to be railing against that stuff. I hardly ever talk about it. What I need to do is replace it with God's truth. And when I do that regularly, daily, it cleanses my life. Do you see what God's word will do for you? It cleanses your life. It keeps you clean. The renewing of your mind, says Paul in Romans 12. It will produce spiritual growth. It will provide cleansing for your life. Listen to this one. It'll keep you from sin. It'll prevent you from sinning. You say, you mean I can go through this whole year and not sin? Probably not. But I'll tell you one thing. If you get in the word of God, you won't sin as much as you would if you didn't. How does it keep you from sinning? Well, listen to what David said in Psalm 119, verse 11. You know this verse, don't you? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 133 is a great verse. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. (laughs) I love that verse. You say, Pastor, how does God's word keep me from sinning? I promise you, if you commit yourself to spending some time in this book every day, it will rearrange some things in your life. (laughs) You may not do it the first day or the second day, but little by little, God's word will start to change your priorities, change the way you think. And you know what one guy said to me? It makes you just downright uncomfortable at some things in your life. When you begin to look into the word of God, it will steer you away from the path of sin and toward the path of righteousness. God's word will prevent you from getting involved in a life of sin. Here's another one. God's word will protect you from Satan. Now, I know some of you don't even believe in him, but let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. He's real anyway. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Amen. Some of you think, well, I don't believe in Satan. And you feel like because you don't believe in him, that makes him not there. That didn't work. You can't do that. Satan is real whether you believe him or not. And the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion trying to devour us. What does that mean? That means he's trying to drown our influence. He's trying to take us out of our game. He's trying to keep us from being effective. He's trying to make us look foolish in the eyes of the world and of the church. He's trying to undercut everything we believe in. Satan's desire is to do everything he can to destroy your effectiveness for God. You say, how in the world do I compete and how do I go to war with him? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. Satan took him out (laughs) one-on-one. And he began to tempt the Lord. He tried to get him to make bread out of stones. He tried to get him to bow down and worship him. He tried to get him to jump down off of the temple and show that he would be caught by the angels. You know what the Lord Jesus did? Listen to this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. As soon as Satan tempted him the first time, Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What did Jesus do? He used the almighty word 
to combat the enemy. Satan wouldn't give up, came back to him the second time. And when he came back to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan said, all right, I'll try another approach. He came back to him again, and this time in Matthew 4.10, Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What was the Lord Jesus doing? He was doing what every Christian ought to do. He used the word of God to defeat the enemy. And for those of you who think you might get stuck early on in your reading through the word of God, let me just encourage you that every one of his quotations came out of the book of Deuteronomy. So when you get to Deuteronomy, just remember there's some good stuff in there because Jesus used it to deal with the enemy. When Paul was telling the Ephesian believers about the armor of the believer, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the evil one. He went through this whole list of armor that they were to put on, and there was only one offensive weapon. You know what that was? The sword of the Spirit, which is what class? The Word of God. If you're going to be effective against the enemy of your soul, you've got to know the Word of God. You've got to be into the Word of God. If some of you are getting victimized all the time, Satan just seems to have his way with you. Maybe one of the things that's missing in your life is a solid grasp of God's truth and some time spent letting God's Word filter into your heart. It will protect you from Satan. Now, those are some kind of defensive things. Let me give you some offensive and encouraging things. It will not only produce spiritual growth, it will not only protect you from sin and from Satan and cleanse your life, but here, listen to this, it will protect you from discouragement. You know, the Bible says that we're to lay aside every besetting sin. You know what a besetting sin is? It's kind of Satan's way he gets to you. Most of us, if we're honest, we know how Satan can get to us. And I've learned over the years that one of the things Satan can do, if I'm not careful, he can get to me through discouragement. That might surprise you because I'm a pretty upbeat guy. But, you know, sometimes the crest of the wave determines the depth of the trough that comes behind it. And there's a certain way of ministry that gives itself to the propensity to be discouraged. And Satan knows that he can do that. What do I do when that happens? Well, I used to call my pastor buddies, and I found out most of them were more discouraged than I was. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I get in the Word of God. And I found out that the Word of God is the greatest thing you can appeal to in times of discouragement. Do you know there were two disciples who left Jerusalem after the crucifixion? They were so depressed because they thought everything was all over. They were really down. And Christ had died, and they didn't even know he'd been resurrected. And they were walking toward Emmaus, and they were talking about how hopeless everything was. And they were sad about all that was going on around them. You know, discouragement is always worse when you walk away from the cross and from the open grave. When you start putting that behind you and not walking toward it but away from it, you can get discouraged. And then they did one other thing. They started talking to each other about how discouraged they were. How many of you know that when you get discouraged, you don't need to get with somebody else who's discouraged and share your discouragements? I suppose there's a people out there right now saying amen because you've been there and done that. And it can be really debilitating uh, if you're not careful. And we need to encourage one another. And the Bible tells us we're to share our challenges, uh, bear one another's infirmities, bear one another's hurts. But if you dwell there very long, you'll be absorbing the hurts of others and adding those to the hurts of yourself. And it will be almost overwhelming. 
Well, we'll get back to this tomorrow with the next part of studying the manual, and I hope you join us then. Speaking of the manual, we have a study guide for this series. It's not the Bible, but it will lead you to the Bible. It will show you where all of this material comes from. It will give you the notes and outlines and the places where you can find the quotes and application questions, other scriptures to look up. It's interactive, and it's really a great tool for small group Bible study because it's centered on the Word of God. It doesn't uh, ask a lot of questions about how you feel. It asks a lot of questions about what the Bible says and how it applies to your life. If you're looking for Bible-centered small group material, the Study Guide series from Turning Point is a good place to start. And the way you find out about that is to go to davidjeremiah.org. There on that website, you will see many of the materials that we're talking about during the January series, and you can pull up materials that are also available on other subjects. If you want to have the study guide and the CD album of this series, and maybe facilitate your own small group, go to davidjeremiah.org, and there you'll find your answers. Please be with us tomorrow as we conclude our discussion of studying the manual in the series, The Life God Blesses. I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, The Life God Blesses, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of Jack Countryman's new book, God's Blessings Just For You. It features 100 inspirational readings and reflections, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. And if you haven't yet requested David's new daily devotional for 2021, Strength for Today, there are still copies available. It's a great way to get a dose of biblical truth every day. Ask for your copy when you visit davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Life God Blesses, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Have you heard this modern retelling of the parable of the Good Samaritan? A man was attacked, robbed, and left seriously injured in a ditch. Two modern social scientists passed by and saw the man, and one said to the other, We need to find the person who did this. He needs help. 
To be sure, I have nothing against social scientists, but finding and helping the man who committed the crime wasn't the priority. In Jesus' version of the parable, helping the victim was most important. And our first priority with others should be the same as his, reaching out to help those who are in need. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's priorities on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.